welcome to mini episode 190 of Real Life Ghost Stories. And I have three spooky stories for you today and the last story comes from the 23rd of May 2022. And story number one comes from Stephanie. My father and I were brought to New York City from the Dominican Republic by my paternal grandmother Martha when I was 17 months old in April 1993. She helped us to acclimatise to the cold weather and assimilate to the Western culture and food. It might be difficult to believe that I can remember moments we spent together when I was three to four years old, but I do. I remember the sleepovers all three of us would have and the Barbie-themed birthday party they held for me. My grandmother Martha passed away in December of 1996 when I was five years old. Her passing was the beginning of many difficult moments to come in both mine and my father's life as he tackled his new life as a single parent without familial support. I couldn't comprehend what death was at such a young age and I remember asking my father why my grandmother doesn't come to visit us anymore. I don't quite recall his response but I can only imagine how difficult it must have been for him to figure out how to talk to a young child about death while grieving the loss of his mother at the same time. I'm not sure how old I was exactly when this experience occurred but I'm confident that I was either six or seven years old. To this day, it still brings tears to my eyes to recount this experience. I woke up crying in the middle of the night. I must have been sobbing loudly because my father immediately walked into my room and asked me what was wrong. I told him, I dreamed about grandma. He hugged me in an effort to comfort me because I was sobbing uncontrollably. In my dream, I was walking on the sidewalk by myself outside my home when all of a sudden I see my grandmother standing at a nearby bus stop. I ran to her with joy and hugged her very tight. I told her how much I missed her and then proceeded to ask her why she didn't come to see us anymore. She smiled and gave me a big hug. Suddenly a city bus pulled up in front of us and opened its doors. My grandmother looked at me and smiled before she turned away to enter the bus. I grabbed a hold of her hand and stated, Grandma, wait for me. She turned around to look at me and replied, You can't come, it's not your time. She let go of my hand, climbed onto the bus and the doors closed behind her. I cried as I watched the bus pull away and disappear into the distance. I woke up immediately afterwards already crying. I guess when experiences really touch us and solicit powerful emotions, we tend to remember it for a lifetime. I recently celebrated my 30th birthday and to this day I still recall how sad I felt upon waking up that night. I didn't quite understand the dream at that time because I was a young child, but now that I am an adult I strongly believe that she came to visit me in an effort to let me know that she didn't abandon me and that she loved me very much. It is heartwarming to hear you read stories of listeners who felt calm and fulfilled after having a visitation dream by their loved ones. I wish that would have been the case for me, because I still feel sad every time I think about that dream. I hope that I have another visitation from her at some point in my life. Oh, I can absolutely believe, first of all, that you remember things from when you were three or four years old. I remember lots of things from when I was three or four years old. And lots of people do, I think. And it's not that young um, to be able to remember kind of really important pivotal moments in your life. And as for your dream, like visitation dreams are so interesting to me. Um, And I think that specifically dreaming about your grandmother getting on a bus, like waiting at a bus stop, it's so transitional. 
it's such a transitional state to be in waiting for a bus getting on the bus and going somewhere else it's almost like your child brain needed to understand it in a way that you would understand that you would recognize and you would recognize if she's getting on the bus she's going somewhere else and she is physically going somewhere you know because death is such a hard concept to explain to a child and I guess that's part of the problem with visitation dreams is that while they can be beautiful for some people they can also leave people with a real sense of longing So it's understandable that you would kind of hope for another one at some point to be able to see that loved one again. And story number two comes from Taya. When I was in the late stages of my pregnancy, I had a dream about giving birth. For my whole pregnancy, everyone thought I was having a boy. Not because of any ultrasound or anything, just based on what I looked like and which direction a needle went when suspended over my belly. So in my dream, I gave birth to a girl with a full head of red curls. After being cleaned, she sat bolt upright on my belly and said to me, We need to figure out how we're going to do this, just you and I. I woke up thinking, we need a girl's name. Fast forward a couple of weeks and the baby I gave birth to presented female and had a full head of red curls. We bonded instantly and are still very close. When Bear was a year old, the dad and I separated, so we were doing it all on our own, just Bear and me. The apartment building we were living in when Bear was little was built in the 1960s, and a lot of the people who lived there had moved in when it was new and were now quite elderly, so many people had died in the building over the years. Bear would constantly be talking about people that were not there, but was very understanding that we could not see these people like it was normal. When we used the elevator, Bear would pull us away from one corner saying, Don't stand in that corner, she doesn't like it when people stand there. And when we went through the lobby, there was a spot that they would not walk through. When we asked, Bear said, I don't like that angry man who was always there. Thankfully, there was nothing in our apartment. One day when Bear was two or three, we were driving somewhere and Bear pipes up from the back seat. Mom, do you remember when we used to walk down that dirt road in big skirts and there were black people working in the fields? I replied, Um, no, that most certainly never happened. And they replied, Oh, silly me, that was a different life. What the actual fuck? Yes, they did speak like that when they were two. Apparently, they had a previous life in the 1800s American South. What makes this really weird is that when they first started speaking, Bear had a cute southern accent and we had no idea why. Around the same age, we were driving somewhere again with my mom. I cannot recall what Bear called my mom prior to this incident, but it was probably something close to grandma. I had called my mom's mother Nana, but she had passed away a couple of years before I had Bear, and it was still hard for my mom, so we didn't use it. Bear said from the back seat, Nana? My mom absentmindedly answered yeah because she was driving and I said, why did you call grandma that? Bear really would not have known about what I called my nana as we didn't talk about her much because it was so hard for my mom. Bear replied, her mom told me to. Okay, so my dead nana is in our backseat with my kid and telling them to call my mom nana. Nothing weird here. My mom has been nana ever since that day. One more thing that happened when we had moved to a different place. I had met my now husband and moved in with him. 
It was a garden-level suite in a house and had horrible red shag carpet and 70s mirrored sliding closet doors. I was putting Bear to bed one night and went to close the closet and Bear exclaimed, No, don't close the closet, it scares the ghost in there. So instead of my kid being scared of an open closet, I have a ghost that is afraid of a closed closet. These things have happened all throughout Bear's life. And these are just a few of the ones that are family stories. I know a bunch of people will say dropkick the kid etc. But these experiences just made us closer. I've also seen things my whole life and so has my mom. So we just treated it like normal stuff. We are very much each other's soulmates. We love spending time together going to concerts, art shows and drag shows. I'm sorry Taya but it would not be right if I didn't say that Bear needed to be dropkicked. If we could build a time machine, go back in time and then just drop kick them. That's a vibe, you know, I have to say it. I have to say it. The world would implode if I didn't. But I have to say it does also sound like that you guys dealt with it very well. Just sort of accepting that they could see people or they could see things that weren't there. And then being able to share in that experience rather than freaking out about it. I think that's probably a really important thing to do when you have small kids is to just sort of accept that they might say things every so often that makes you feel a bit uncomfortable but to not make a massive deal out of it and that probably sounds like you did the right thing in how you guys dealt with it especially because you guys had dealt with it your whole lives as well that you had this shared experience of like yeah sometimes weird things just happen and we all just embrace it and we deal with it and we share our experiences with each other so in that dream where the baby sat up on your belly and said we need to figure out what we're going to do, just you and I. Did you predict the future? Or did the baby? That's the important question here. And story number three comes from Yaritza. I was five years old when my parents moved from the city to the suburbs, accommodating our large family and grandmother. I'm the youngest of seven. I felt strange in this new house something I couldn't explain or pinpoint at the time. My cousins came over and played hide-and-go-seek. I ran to the basement and stood by the door to my dad's workshop. It was daylight, and the basement was dimly lit by two small, squared-paned windows to my left. I suddenly felt unwell. Goosebumps formed on my skin, and I had the urge to vomit. In the corner of the room between the utility, the sink, and the washer, formed the shadow man. He didn't speak, he didn't move, he just stared. Terrified, I ran upstairs and told my mum. The paranormal experiences turned really dark, like evil dark. Much of my childhood I suffered from horrible anxiety. I began hearing things, seeing things, feeling things. I felt like my house was sort of a portal. It was something I couldn't explain. The TV would turn on and off, my bedroom door would open and close at night. I would tuck myself tightly in bed, oftentimes pulling the sheets over my head, because something would pull the covers down. I was the kid who always went into my mother's room to sleep. If she had her door locked, I would lay on the floor in front of her door and try and sleep there. I would do anything to get away from the presence that was in my room. I began sleeping in my sister's room, too afraid to be alone. She had these glow-in-the-dark stars on her ceiling and while laying in bed looking up, a black shadow manifested on the ceiling. It was menacing and I was fucking terrified. 
You could see the way it moved by the way the glow-in-the-dark stars would darken and then reappear. I asked my sister if she could see what I did. She didn't, but I could tell she was uncomfortable. That shadow lingered in the corners of the room like a predator waiting to pounce. I could tell it was a female demonic spirit. I don't know how I knew this, I just did. We didn't sleep that night. Thank goodness my sister's twin bed was high enough that we grabbed our covers and slept under the bed with a flashlight until morning. I told my mother again. She thought it was my wild imagination. I became very secluded. I felt alone and depressed, which followed me into adulthood. Either no one would admit what they felt, or I was the only one that experienced any of these feelings or sightings. Alone in my room one day, a woman appeared. She just stood there in the corner of my bedroom and stared at me. She was about five feet tall, curly short hair, black faded high-waisted jeans, a white button-down top tucked into her pants. She was very slim, and I clearly remembered the veins in her hands. She seemed small but mighty. She would appear and reappear all the time. Her presence didn't bother me unlike everything else I'd experienced. I was around eight years old and people say that children have imaginary friends. She was very random with appearing and disappearing but over the years we developed a strange relationship and I guess she was my imaginary friend. Her name was Francine. I didn't know how she died but I knew she was dead. She didn't say much but when she did she'd say pray child. It's strange but I felt protected by her. The home remained a very active paranormal home, whether it was negative or positive. As my siblings began moving out, the house became too big for my parents. My parents readied the house for the market and made some renovations to the kitchen. I was about 15 years old now and helped my dad pull this old trash compactor out. Once out, I found two pictures. One of a woman and another photo of her with who I assumed to be her partner. I showed the photo to my mother and told her, See Ma, this is Francine. My mother's face paled, tears formed her eyes, and she said, That is Francine. Apparently Francine was the previous owner of the home. I never met her while she lived, I guess it was her childhood home. She died of lung cancer, which explained why the house always smelled like someone was smoking in it. My family aren't smokers, I'm a horrible asthmatic. Fast forward to the middle stages of my life and into adulthood. I continued suffering from anxiety and manic depression. I had a really hard time maintaining any types of relationships and would sometimes get crazy obsessions. I sought help, was given medication, but it did nothing, just made me feel like a zombie. I questioned myself about everything, that oftentimes I felt like I was losing my shit. I would hear things, see things I didn't understand, I would get visions of people I've never met, messages that I didn't understand the meaning of. One day I got a very clear vision. It was December the 17th, 2017. My living grandmother, who I was very close to, appeared to me. It was the most crystal clear vision I had ever seen. She was wearing a light peach dress, covered by a light peach sheer overlay. I remember it being one of her favourite dresses that she would wear. Her skin was luminous. It had a slight highlight sheen to it and didn't show the imperfections of ageing. She was beautiful, stunning 
and I clearly remember her looking at me and then looking back, smiling, squeezing my hand twice and turning around and walking away from me. Beyond her was the Virgin Mary, or who I would assume was the Virgin Mary. She was summoning my grandmother to come with her. It was the colours that I never forget. The colours that this person was wearing were indescribably beautiful. It was a rich royal blue that had trimmings of gold. Underneath her robe was this gorgeous coral colour. She had long dark brown hair, but I couldn't see a face. Just as quickly as it appeared, it disappeared. Then I became obsessive. I started drawing this vision on everything. I couldn't get it out of my head. My boyfriend at the time, now my husband, took me to the craft store and I bought string closest to the colour that I'd seen in my vision and started to embroider this image. I've never embroidered anything in my life. I knew that I needed to make something for my grandmother, who was a devout Catholic and believed in the Virgin. I called my mother and asked how my grandmother was doing. You may be wondering why I couldn't find out for myself. I was living in Miami, Florida, and my grandmother was living in a nursing home in upstate New York. She suffered from dementia, and was eventually put into a nursing home after her many escapes and disappearances from her home, which sometimes involved authorities. My grandmother didn't have a phone. My uncles and aunts would visit daily. She had 12 kids, and report out to my dad, who was the eldest of her children. I was honestly upset at myself because I didn't visit my grandmother as often as I should have. I let life get in the way of that, and it's something I regret to this day. My grandmother lived with my parents and I until I was around 17 or 18 years old. She was a constant presence in my life, and I felt ashamed that I didn't visit her more than my regular two times every year after I moved to Florida at the age of 21. I told my mother what I saw and how I felt that my grandmother was telling me goodbye. My mom said not to worry about it, my grandmother was fine, and that she would keep me posted if anything changes. Apparently, my granny that day was pushing around a wheelchair on her own, with her doll in it, throughout the nursing home floor. I began looking for flights, and booked a flight for the following month. I knew in my heart my time was limited, and I needed to see her before she passed. I seemed like a cynic, but I knew that my granny was leaving me. My granny passed away on December the 23rd, 2017, exactly one week after my vision. I was three weeks away from visiting her and missed her. I attempted to change my flight, but I couldn't. There was a horrible snowstorm and record low temperatures in upstate New York, and I couldn't get a flight for her funeral. I was devastated. But the one thing I had was the horribly attempted embroidered Virgin Mary that I made for her. I sent it, and my mother placed it inside the coffin. After my grandmother's passing, my anxiety kind of disappeared. I sometimes still get anxious around people, but I now understand that my anxiety is triggered by spiritual entities. I don't know what to call them really, but I know I shouldn't ignore them. Many of the things I see, feel, hear and smell have to do with the spirit world communicating with me, which apparently has been happening since I was a child. Everything in the past just made sense. I'm in my late 30s now and finally adjusting to all of the energies that I experience. I visioned the birth of my child before she was born and even thought of and now I randomly scare people by relaying the messages from the deceased when they come through, which can happen whenever. 
Most people are very grateful. Sometimes they give me hugs. Some start crying. Of course, now it's limited contact because of COVID. I know it all seems like a bit much for a sceptic, but I believe the passing of my granny is what truly helped me embrace my so-called gift or curse. Lastly, I want to mention my mother still has the photo of Francine in an old photo album. Finding the photo changed the relationship between my mother and I, and having my grandmother come through in a vision has really helped me embrace the spirit world. It confirmed that I wasn't crazy, or as crazy as some believed me to be. It confirmed that I am sensitive to spirit energies, the dead, or whatever else you want to call it. I am not a psychic because I don't predict the future, but more like a conduit of some sort. This can be burdensome and draining at times, especially when spirits use you as their own radio to broadcast their thoughts and words. The paranormal can be all scary for those who don't understand it, and the fear is what sometimes manifests negative or evil things. But conquering fear and controlling the narrative is the best way to help deal with negative spirits, energies and people. Just to let you know, the heavens have just opened. It is absolutely pouring with rain. So if you can hear a steady little pitter-patter, it is the fact that it is raining and I apologise. Yuritza, I'm very glad that you've sort of come to terms with what's what's been going on for you. Everything from Shadow Man in the Corner... And from stuff happening in your bedroom, shadows on the ceiling and having that feeling again, just that knowing, that inherent innate knowing that it's a woman, some sort of woman entity. And then seeing Francine, poor Francine just probably didn't want to leave, didn't want to leave her house. And imagine, I can imagine your mom's face when you were like, see, that's the Francine I've been telling you about. And she was like, oh my God, that is actually Francine. It must have been terrifying for her, but also sort of probably explained a lot. And if the Virgin Mary meant a lot to your grandmother, which sounds like she did as, as, as a devout Catholic, then it makes sense that that would be the thing that you would be shown in a vision. And then that's the thing that you chose to, to you know, have put into her coffin, um, the embroidery of the Virgin Mary. And I think the thing that freaks me out most about people who have the gift is the thing that you say at the end where it can be burdensome, you know, when you're like trying to do your own thing and spirits are trying to use you like as a radio. I don't know. I'd, I don't know. I wouldn't be very accepting of that, I have to say. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Thank you to Stephanie, Taya and Yuritza for sending in your stories. The last story came from the 23rd of May 2022. If you would like to send in your own story, you can do so by emailing it to reallifeghoststoriespodcast.gmail.com. You can also check out the website reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com. And if you are desperate for extra content, you can sign up to patreon.com forward slash stories, where for $5 a month or $2 a month, you get access to heaps of extra content and every single main episode and mini episode of Real Life Ghost Stories absolutely ad-free. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. And on that note, I shall see you next time.